0: This is Graphic Novel TK, your podcast guide to comic book publishing.
1: Hi, and welcome to Graphic Novel TK. I'm Gina Gagliano. And I'm Allison Wilgus. We're diving today into the world of comics conventions, or conventions that comics people attend, which aren't exclusively comics conventions. We're talking to the artistic director of North America's biggest comics festival, TCAF, the Toronto Comics Art Festival, Christopher Butcher. Hi, Chris. It's good to be talking to you today. Can you tell us a little about how you got into comics and what you're doing now?
2: Thanks. It's nice to be here. Um, I started out in comics uh, because I liked the Transformers on TV when I was a wee, uh, wee lad. And I went to the corner store and they had Transformers comics. And it kind of blew my mind that I could get other stories featuring the characters I already loved. So rather than coming through superheroes, I came in through like licensed material um, and Comics hooked me based on things I already liked rather than coming to comics sort of on their own terms, which I always thought. As I get older, I start to see how other people got into the industry, and I'm like, oh, it's very interesting that you like relate to the, the industry in this way, and I relate to it in this way. And it maybe be because I came into it uh, through a, a, a general person outreach, a civilian outreach, as I like to use to call it. Um, from there, I got a job in a comic book store as a teenager because I didn't want to really do anything else. And then it turns out I was pretty good at working in a comic book store, and I was spending a lot of time on the uh, proto-internets on uh, – uh, like news groups and Usenet and things like that. And then finally, when I got good access to, to the web um, and talked about comics a lot, I was really interested in not just uh, reading them, but but how they came together. Um, and I spent a lot of time on records Comics and uh, the Warren Ellis Forum, where I, I met up with a bunch of like-minded people, and we formed a little web magazine called Pop Image uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s that ran for a good while. Um, and a lot of people that are my friends now and, and peers and colleagues came out of that same uh, sort of time and that same sort of period. Um, people like Chip Starsky and Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, Anthony Johnston and all these people that we were like doing work with back in the day um, in like a rough and tumble Wild West kind of a make your own stuff way are now the people that are really in demand in the industry. So that's kind of cool. Um, I ended up moving to the city and getting a job at the Beguiling which is, well, maybe one of the best indie or at least alternative or underground or art uh, comic stores in the world. And I felt like I got maybe the other half of my comics education, like all of the mainstream superheroes, new mainstream stuff that was represented, especially at the time um, by like uh, Oni and Image and things like that. Um, And then you get to see like the actual art comics, the underground stuff, the you know uh, the the other half of the industry, the stuff that's maybe not in every comic book store, but is in the really good comic book stores, and it's there that I started to really think about what it means to make comics. I also made like comics and zines all, all through that time as well. I would travel to conventions. We would all pile into a car. I meet a bunch of friends and we would go and like sell our mini comics at Motor City Comic Con and it was like very glamorous to be driving across a border to sell the comics that we made even though it was like from Toronto to Detroit Uh, but it was great Uh, it was a really great time and I met a lot of people in person there for the first time actually which was also kind of crazy that like Yeah, I would go and sell my mini-comics alongside, like, Brian Michael Bendis, who had just started putting out his first comic through Caliber. And, uh, you know, we got on pretty good. Uh, David Mack was one of those people. Uh, Guy Davis, all these, like, sort of legends of the industry were all sitting at the same wooden folding tables uh, back in the day. And that really made me think a lot about uh, access to the industry. Uh in a way I probably didn't think about it that way in the time, but it was like, man, if I just can to scrape together 60 bucks, I can go sit down next to somebody who's making really awesome stuff. Uh and it was um yeah, that's uh that's that's the the like secret origin stuff. Then at the beginning I helped them put together events and I was sort of Uh, working in and around them. And we had come up with TCAF. Before I started working at the Beguiling, actually, I I pitched the idea of doing TCAF to Peter uh, Berkamo, who's the owner. And he was like, no. And I was like, come on. And then finally he said, yes, you do it. Um, And so that first TCAF was really the sort of half of the industry that I was really interested in the like creator owned ownership battles that image was trying to take, you know, (laughs) trying to take from that next step from the sort of McLeod, uh, Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, uh, years. Um, and then he was like, no, like that's irrelevant because you would never possibly put yourself in a situation to ever work for someone who would own your work because art comics are where it's at and, you know, forget about corporations or whatever. So, uh, our two halves of, uh, the, the view of the industry put together a really fun, interesting, diverse lineup of people for that first year. Um, and it's only really grown and gotten better um, over the years as more people has, have come to be involved in the festival. But as the comic book industry has, frankly, grown up uh, a little bit around us, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's. That's the that's the secret origin. Um, all during that time, I was like, like, none of that really, like, whatever. Working in the comic book store probably paid my rent more than anything else. But I also did um, my comics production work. I was a colorist um, for a few years and a comic book letterer. I was doing production work and doing lip book layout and, jeez, uh, uh, writing criticism. Uh, I don't know. I've kind of done all the comic book things except literally draw a comic book that was printed uh, but I've even written some stuff now too, so that's kinda that's i don't know i feel like i've I've got a good sense of the industry because not a lot of people have done all the different jobs uh and are therefore a little bit more try to be more uh gentle with everybody because you know what they're going through i,
0: I had no idea that you had done comics production work like that that's so interesting
2: yeah i worked with trina robbins uh on her first comic book for for image and i worked on a series called evil and malice and i colored a bunch of other stuff that uh time has sapped from my brain but that was the big one um trina robbins and Simmons. um yeah it was uh, it was good uh, and then yeah um I don't know. It was it was good times. Uh, I liked I liked coloring a lot, but I wasn't really fast enough. I finally met the Udon guys in like, I don't know, like 96, 97. I was like, here's my tryout piece. And they're like, oh, it's pretty good. I'm going to take you on like 14 hours. and Like you got to do it in four. We're on a (laughs) a deadline. I was just like, oh, my God. Uh, So, yeah, I was just like I realized there was like a ceiling either. I was going to have to quit everything else and learn how to actually color at that speed or maybe uh, become more of a jack of all trades
0: see i love this because a lot of people have the opposite thing of like you have to do what to run a convention oh no oh no i'm so sorry that's that's a no thank you (laughs)
2: Exactly that. I was involved in, in like, <laughs> I was the editor of my yearbook. Uh, and I was the editor of the newspaper at my sc- high school. And I, like, did the food drive. And I was, didn't really like being a class, but I really liked organizing things uh, a lot. Uh, so I was, like, head of the radio station uh, for a few years. And the idea to me, like, I was always, like, this is a ton of work. Like, it's fun work, but, like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, we're just putting in so much to have a thing at the end of it. So I remember... At the end of the show, I would go to the the ops booth and I'd be like, is the guy who runs the show here? And they'd be like, he'd come over he'd think something was terribly wrong because people only come to find you at shows to yell at you. And I'd be like, thank you so much. I came over from Toronto and exhibited and this was great. And he was just like, oh, uh cool okay and it was just like <laughs> I don't think anyone had really thanked him <laughs> all weekend but I made a point of doing that every year because it was just like I, even then I had a sense of how much work it was so yeah it's uh, I, but I always respond exactly the same way when people think, like come up and thank me for the show too I'm just like caught off guard and I've just been working on this for like six months and I've got no brain left so if I've ever been super weird to you when you thank me for TCAF that's why I apologize I really do appreciate it.
1: So if people who are listening to this podcast podcast are like, I've never been to a conference or I've never been to a convention or I've never been to a festival. What are they actually like? Like, what can someone who's walking into a convention typically find at a convention?
2: I guess the unhelpful answer, but is the honest answer, is that conventions and festivals and conferences and all of it, um, you never know what to expect Exactly anyone who starts a convention, any group or any person that starts a convention starts it because they think that they know the best way to run a convention or at least the best way within their means. Right. And so they'll pick and choose from other conventions that they've either participated in or read about or whatever. And said, this is the good stuff. This is the bad stuff. We're not going to do it here. Um, so rather than tell you what, what you're in for with a convention, I would even maybe say, just do as much research as you can. Like, Look at the website. Look at con reports of past people that have gone there uh, to see what they thought of the convention or what they did at the convention. Look at everything you can look at, and even email the organizers if if those questions are then not answered. Listen to these interviews (laughs) with me and other convention runners who are giving up their time to be like, yeah, this is what cons are about. But let's just say in comics, if you're going to a comics, anything, chances are there's going to be tables where... Artists, uh, which is to say authors, creators, comics, comics, creators of of any stripe will be sitting and probably selling their work. Maybe, you know, just autographing it. Um, There will be discussions that will happen. Usually it's, you know, in a conference room, anywhere between like 20 and 150, 200 chairs and a podium up at the front or a table up at the front. And people will discuss their work in that way in front of an audience. And... Yeah, that's like the bare minimum. But um, it does change a lot. It depends on the kind of conference. I know there's a lot of conferences now that don't have um, exhibition components or exhibition components are really minimized. Like you actually do go just to hear authors talk about their work. And then there'll be like a central bookstore that will sell that work. So that's a big part of it. Or there's shows that are basically just – I don't think it's derogatory, but it's what we call like flea market shows where it's like, it's just tables. It's just people set up at a table for the weekend, selling as much as they can and going home without that other, like, let's get into the discussion and the art and the literature of the comics that we're making. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, and then there's some exhibitions I've been to that are literally just exhibitions. It's literally just art up on the wall and there might be like an author talk. So um, I would say that, um, as comics has grown up, as comics has started to be recognized as both um, art, like visual arts, and in the visual arts field, as well as the literary and literature spheres, um, comic conventions, comic conferences, comic festivals tend to uh, really morph uh, depending on the whims of the showrunner, and it's why every show can have such a different, uh, you know, different feel, different vibe.
0: I've gone to a lot of science fiction and fantasy fan conventions this last year and and talked to a lot of science fiction and fantasy, like prose authors. And a thing that comes up a lot is like, no, really, the vast majority of working cartoonists will have at some point spend an entire weekend selling their own books to other people directly, which is just like, it's an alien concept if you're like a prose author who isn't self-published, that that's like, even if, even if you've quote unquote made it and you have like a big publisher and you're like whatever, that doesn't mean that you've stopped doing that necessarily. And like it's a very specific to comics thing that doesn't really translate to other nerd conventions in quite the same way. Like that you could be selling something that you personally made to strangers all weekend.
2: It's uh, it's so – it's not unique to comics, but it's so specific to comics is maybe it's what the I It's like comics and say. craft shows. <laughs> yeah right (laughs) but you don't usually get picked up by like a major craft manufacturer and then still go to craft shows right like you just start making designs for claire's or whoever and then claire sells your work and you're set uh or they steal it because claire's uh but whatever uh like it's i find it um so fascinating that i could have told you when i was 16 exactly what a comic book convention was and now you know many years later uh, i've been to so many different conventions and every like geographic region has its own like little quirks but every like country you know like in geographic region within a country but every like country has its own ideas like the like European shows versus like uh, like our Asian shows versus uh, North American shows versus South American shows like there's so many different aspects um, that shift and change and are present or aren't present or emphasized or de-emphasized um, I think if you're let's you know let's let's get back to the, the core of the question which is like what's what's a comic convention or our festival is going to look like in North America. Generally, you're gonna you're gonna have tables and you're gonna sell your shows. Generally, there's also gonna be an autograph area for those authors that <laughs> wouldn't dream of sitting at a table and handling their own money. Uh, and then generally, there's gonna be a discussion area um, where people can like discuss you know work. Generally, a panel panel format or readings, although those aren't as popular in the states. Um, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think those are the basics of what to expect at a convention. But the actuality is that you're you're in a room of your own free will uh with hundreds sometimes hundreds of your fellow creators which is something you don't often get to do and then thousands of members of the public if it's a good show uh who all are interested in the same thing that you are and so other than just like the the meat and bones like here's what actually happens at a comic convention the intangible stuff the 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 community, the validation, the like, chances to connect with people—those are also present at good, good shows. Anyway, I've been to a couple where it just doesn't exist. Everyone <laughs> at six o'clock, everyone throws their tarp over their table and goes as far away from each other as possible. But yeah, good shows—you can. There's also community. It's like that intangible thing that goes along with the tables and the art shows and the like discussion rooms.
1: Um. So we've talked a little about tables and you know sitting behind tables and selling things all weekend but that is not the only way that authors can get involved in conventions or even the only way that authors should get involved in conventions can you talk a little Mm. about other things that authors especially authors who maybe are new to comics and kind of like thinking about conventions for the first time can do to interact with them
2: yeah actually one of the things that we do at tcaf is to really try to think about how we can engage the larger um cartooning community and community is kind of a loaded word but like you know the larger group of people that are that are cartooning that are writing comics that are drawing comics that are working in production that isn't sitting at a table for the two days of the show and the main reason that we started thinking that way um was that we just didn't have enough tables uh we've been we don't oversell, but we definitely have been sold out. Um it's a TCAF is a juried admission, um, sort of a show. So we we have been anywhere between uh we've had more than three times as many ad- uh, applications to be a part of TCAF is we can accept um, on average. And sometimes it's way higher, sometimes it's a little bit less. But yeah, we can't co- accommodate everyone that wants to sit at a table um, at, at the festival. We just have a limited amount of floor space. So we really try to come up with ways for people to participate. And these aren't available at every show, but I can say at TCAF, we're now doing a full day of uh, programming on the Friday before the Saturday-Sunday exhibition. Um, and one of the streams is called Word Balloon Academy, and it's aimed at creators. It's people That want to uh, sharpen their skills, whether it's um, artistic or writing skills, physical skills, or whether it's the stuff around uh, being a creator. So it's like how to do your taxes, how to apply for a grant, how to deal with mental health issues, uh, how to deal with physical health issues um, around, you know, sitting at a desk uh, on your own for 12 hours a day, 10 days a week, uh, or, you know, you know what I mean? It
0: feels Um, like 10 days.
2: It does feel like 10 days uh, <laughs> when I'm when I'm really deep in freelance. Um, one of the other streams is for librarians and educators where we actually tried to um, spread the good word of comics in, in a library sphere, which is actually going really well um, in the in the general right now. Um, but Canada tends to be a little bit behind the curve. There's a lot of great advocacy librarians in the States who are doing really amazing work that have resulted in like the ALA graphic novel roundtable and, you know, things like that, that we are not. Not quite there in Canada, but we do have a lot of people coming up from, from the U.S., a lot of librarians that like to participate as well. Um, we're talking about news streams as well.
1: The ALA is the American uh, Library Association, which includes North America, and the president of the Graphic Novel and Comics Roundtable is currently a Canadian, so...
2: Yeah, good for... Way to go, Amy. Uh, sorry, that's true. Uh, and actually, Amy, um, who is the president of the... Graphic Novel Roundtable uh, joined our programming team for Library and Educator Day uh, just last year, and is going to be working with developing programming with us uh, for for it with Andrew and uh, Lindsay and the team, uh, Matthew and the team um, for years to come. So yeah, we're trying to build new ways uh, that are outside of the the two convention days, so that even comic book creators who are participating in the festival, who are exhibiting at the festival, can also go to these. But also people who are in town, people coming to town early, etc. Also, the panels are usually pretty good. We try to balance our panels between here is an author talking about their work and here are authors who you might already like who have work who are talking about larger ideas as it relates to being an artist living in the world, being someone making comics, dealing with the themes of their individual comics, that sort of thing. So if you're a creator that's like, I've got a memoir in me. Um and I want to get it out. I'm not sure the best way to make the comic about that. Every year at TCAF, there's one really clear memoir panel where the best memoirists in the world are there talking about making memoir. Um, and that's something that gives back to you know, a potential creator that wants to participate in the festival but doesn't necess- can't necessarily exhibit or doesn't want to exhibit or isn't able to exhibit and I would say a lot of shows have that like look at the programming it usually goes up pretty close to the actual dates of the show so it's not always very helpful sorry about that Gina um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I think it's a, it's a good way to see if it's like oh such and such is talking about this thing that's really important to me I'm definitely going to see them talk about that but beyond that it is that intangible again like you're in a room with a lot of people in several rooms with a lot of people who have the same interests who are trying to sort of move in the same direction that you are there are opportunities to meet them in social settings or just to visit them at their table to try and build those connections that you want to build with the people whose work matters to you. Um, there's all kinds of things on how to network at conventions. So you can just Google it. But, yeah, we try to pr- try to be aware of all the ways that people are going to use our space and try to make it easy for the good ones and to try to make it difficult for the bad ones uh which is well we won't dwell on the bad ones too much but um yeah but the there's just this larger idea of like conventions as spaces that exist in a place and time and then like cease to exist uh <laughs> past that time and that participation is valuable i think um the the best way to explain it is there's this, there was a show called Web Comics Weekend, and I think started um, 2007 or 2008 or something like that. And they did it for a couple of years. And it just became more and more legendary every time they did it. It was like the, the height of the web comics boom. Uh, and these people were participating and selling their work. And it was like incredible access to these amazing creators um, and then they stopped doing it because it was like, oh my goodness, so much work, so much organization, the return on investment from the people who were actually planning it wasn't really there. Like it was just a labor of love and then they did it and then they decided they were done with it. And people were like, oh, but next year was the year I was finally going to go. And it's like, no, that existed. <laughs> Webcomics weekend is over. That existed in a place in a time. Uh, and you could have, you know, maybe participated or maybe you couldn't, but, uh, you know, it's over. So maybe look towards the next thing, but realize that like, You know, what conventions offer, what conferences offer, what festivals offer is there is something intangible there. There is something that can't that isn't like necessarily just a dollars and cents ledger. Uh, And I think that that's I don't know. I feel like that's it's a big, big idea. And I don't know if I've done the best job of outlining it, but that's what I got.
1: No, it's great. I mean, I believe that, too.
0: So in your answer there and in a few times kind of coming into this, we sort of said things like you know, for conferences, conventions, and festivals. So, like, I know that it's sort of nebulous. Like, for instance, TCAF is an arts festival, but also a a lot of people would call it a show or a convention. So, like, the terminology is a little nebulous here. But can you talk a little bit about some of the different broad categories of comics-oriented events and how they're different from each other?
1: And book-oriented events, too. Like, I think
2: Um, conferences... I yeah. terminology doesn't matter to me. <laughs> it, it matters to other people. Um, like I use comic graphic novel strips. I use it all really interchangeably. And I know a lot of other people are trying to like nail down the terminology because having words that we all agree what they mean, uh, makes it easier to talk about certain things. And I appreciate that. Um, we started off by saying we were a festival because we wanted to push back against the idea of comic conventions, which were getting kind of gross, uh, in 2003 and are fully gross now, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, we described ourselves. We went so far as to say TCAF is a festival because it is unconventional. Uh, Oh my God. But beyond that, I think comic conventions, (laughs) comic conventions, um, Everyone knows what they are. And especially now, there are things where there aren't really comic books. <laughs> There's media stars and uh, YouTube stars and, uh, you know, film and television and t- big walls of t shirts and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I actually really like all that kind of stuff. But if I go to a comic convention, I want comics uh, for the most part. Um, and so for us, TKF, uh, calling it a festival, calling it an arts festival or a comic arts festival, which then became this standard adopted nomenclature, which is super weird, by the way. Um,
0: oh, the whole calf thing.
2: Yeah. The whole calf thing. Uh, like ours was like a bastardization of mocha, which was sort of calling itself a festival, but sort of not at the time. Um, she was, and then everyone's a calf now, which is like, okay, cool. Um, I think Heidi likes to beat that drum. Uh, in particular, Heidi McDonald, you're the sponsor of the, the podcast. Um, we wanted to be a festival because we wanted to emphasize the focus on creators uh, people that make comics and then the comics maybe maybe equal but we go back and forth on which on which one we like to put more emphasis on but we definitely didn't want the emphasis to be on the tertiary sort of spin off like stuff um the, the, the movies, the other media adaptations, et cetera, et cetera. There's definitely room for that because obviously that all gets artists paid or hopefully gets artists paid. But yeah, no, TCAF's is about authors, it's about work. Um, and so a lot of the things that we do at TCAF are very much about like it's easier for you to get through the application process and exhibit if you have a new work debuting in proximity to the festival, usually that season. Um, it's easier to exhibit at TCAF if you are a comic creator year round and you're not. Mostly making merch, like, or prints, or pins, or whatever, and then just like doing one new comic for TCAF every year. Like, we prioritize people that have made comics um, their career. And we do that because we know how hard it is to make comics your career. Uh, We want TCAF to try and give back to the people that make the comics in a way. And that should be that should be festivals. That should be, in my opinion, what a festival specifically is—something that is like a celebration of the authors and their work. Comic conventions, on the other hand, um, tend to be about a celebration of fandom, uh, or have like maybe they have crystallized into that. Maybe they weren't always that, but they've definitely crystallized into a celebration of fandom. Um, and I don't think that there's necessarily anything like deeply wrong with that. But I know where my interests lie. Let's put it that way. And that's comic festivals um, that is focusing on the creators, that is focusing on the work rather than the fans of the work who, you know, everyone wants their own space. That's cool. But uh, I know what I want to do. Now, conferences, um, I tend to think of as being very much about um discussion of the work in general. Like I've been to a couple of conferences that didn't have usually academic conferences, but certainly other, uh, sci-fi, uh, and book conferences that don't like authors participating is really rare. Actually, I had an author, uh, expressed to me like absolute bewilderment that they found out that their work was being discussed at a conference that was in the town that they were in. And no one bothered to call them up and be like, do you want to come talk about this? And it's like, well, especially in an academic conference, context like your opinion as the author of the work maybe isn't as important as what they see in the work as critics and readers so maybe you would have just fucked it up for them if you would come and said actually that's not what I intended at all Uh, so yeah that's that's the, the general breakdown uh, as I see it, but I also like whatever conventions are places where people convene. So meh. Uh, festivals are people where celebrate. You know, people celebrate things. Conferences are things where things are discussed. All those could describe TCAF or pretty much any comic book convention that has like a programming track. And you'd still be surprised how many don't. So it's
0: interesting listening to you talk about your thinking about naming TCAF, though, because I often feel like it's the decisions that the show is making about how it wants to describe itself which matters more than the specifics. Like, what are you trying to communicate to the people who might? want to go to your thing about what, what kind of show you are and usually if it's a well-run convention that's usually a pretty good indicator just like those decisions
2: well i don't know if this is how things work now uh in the like read informa uh left field's uh world of comic book convention organizing and purchasing but like we had a whole ideology uh when we started tcaf that was like really really clear um and before we even like before we had a name for TCAf we had an idea of what it needed to do um, and partly that was because it was in response to other things we had the benefit of other people having broken the ground of having comic book conventions in Toronto and having you know comics festivals like SPX or mocha um, elsewhere in North America and especially actually we didn't really talk about this but Europe as well TTCf uh, owes uh, a lot to the Harlem festival that was really big in the like late 90s and early 2000s that Peter Burkamo attended before before, um before TCAP started. Um, and he was that was a way he shaped the festival. So I think um I think intentionality, and I've been getting into this with a couple of people on a couple of different fronts lately, but intentionality is so important. Um, I think uh, you have to if you are going to start a convention uh, or a festival or <laughs> a conference, uh, you have to have a really strong idea of what you want it to be. And you may have to make sure that the people that are working with you on it are on the same page as you. And, you know, everyone grows, everyone changes. We've had, you know, people come and go at TCAF. And, you know, I don't bear anybody any will, but like at a certain point, it just, you know, TCAF wasn't where they were at anymore for whatever reason, either personal or professional. And that's, you know, that's what it is. But, uh, I think the festival, I think the, the the convention, the conference has to have like an idea of what it is that it wants to do, and things should be in service with that mandate. And uh, yeah, naming is a good start <laughs> for sure uh, on that one.
1: Uh, before we go on to talk a little about authors and how they should interact with conventions, festivals, and conferences. Um, I want to just go back to conferences again for a little bit. And can Chris, can you talk about how something that's a professional conference, like OLA, right, mm-hmm. or Book Expo, um, might be a little different for people than, especially for an author to be interacting with. Like if their publisher's like, hey, you're going to go to this professional conference can they expect Book Expo or OLA, which is the Ontario Library Association Conference, to be different than TCAF?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, professional conferences and conventions um, are so, so different. Uh, for one, they usually have carpet in the aisles. It's not just bare <laughs> concrete, so that's really nice. <laughs> um, ooh, Some of those Book Expo booths this year in New York had some really nice carpet. I'm in the process of going through and doing applications at TCAF right now, like looking at people's work and the number of people that are not, that are that are applying to TCAF that have uh, lots of work under their belt and are producing the work and are not uh, necessarily producing that for a publisher or at least for a mainstream, you know, ISBN on the back of the book publisher is actually pretty high. Um, TCAF gets a lot of people that are, you know, by all stretches of the imagination, comic book professionals that are not that are making their own money—they are not um, being paid by a publisher or distributor or whatever—they are, you know, going their own way. And I think that that um, generally means that your participation in something like TCAF is more various than something like a participation in a book expo or an OLA, uh, because those are very much uh, geared to sort of the professional stream of of book publishing. Um, it's very different than the, or, and, and that goes the, the other way too, with um, like artistic residencies and conferences and things like that. Like usually you're represented usually by a gallery or, or have an artistic agent. Um, and these are, these kinds of interactions are generally much more controlled. Um, you'll have much less um, freedom to participate as someone who's like per- participating as a professional, which is to say like your publisher will arrange a badge, but they might only be able to arrange a badge for you on the specific day that you're signing at their booth. So you won't be able to attend the four or five day show, except on the day that you are signing at your publisher's booth. And that's something that's like, uh, and you can't actually, or maybe can't probably can't access the show on other days because the registration process is really expensive and onerous, uh, on a lot of the professional conventions. Like it's a hundred dollars for a book expo pass or something like that, which is you know, pretty high. Um, not like comic convention high, but still pretty high. Um, and up to like $600 if you're fancy, (laughs) I guess. Um, so these are things that like a, a professional convention, you are there, um, as an aspect of doing your job as an author, as a creator. Um, whereas something like TCAF, yeah, that professional bit is absolutely there, but, there's also all this other texture to your participation. Even comic book conventions, even if they are organized by your publisher, have a different texture uh, than something like a book expo, which is really just like get in there, do your job, take a take a once around the exhibit hall and get and get out. Like, there's maybe programs you're interested. In. Maybe there's like I got to see Debbie Harry on stage at Book Expo this year. That was cool. Uh, like I was one foot from Blondie. Like all right, uh, but like that's not something that. You know, that is not necessarily tied to my professional career. N- not yet, anyway.
0: But also, like, so you and Gina and I would all go, might all go to Book Expo because we all work in publishing. But most people at Book Expo, for instance, are, like, booksellers and, like, librarians and that kind of thing, right? Whereas, like, at TCAF, it's, like, there's some booksellers there, but it's mostly just nerds who want to buy books. So it's, like, the entire community is, to- is like, totally different, too.
2: I did not touch on that, and I should have. That's, like, the main difference. There's no members of the public. There's no members of the public at Book Expo or OLA. You can't get in uh, unless you're, like, professional in some capacity, and even then you have to pay, like, through the through the nose. Um, but, yeah, there's, but comic conventions and comic events, generally members of the public are not just uh, welcomed, but, like, encouraged to attend because that's how the exhibitors make money. Um, things like Book Expo and things like um, OLA aren't Uh, conventions they are trade shows uh trade shows are a whole other category of uh events that happen in convention centers um there are trade shows for every industry for every trade right um i i snuck my way into a restaurant trade show one time it was fascinating all the different weird foods that you could pre-purchase to sell in your restaurant uh from frozen food suppliers that kind of thing so yeah i think um i think we didn't maybe make that distinction. But yeah, there are trade shows as well that comics sort of touch on, like the library shows, like the publishing show. Oh, and then like rights shows like uh, Frankfurt Book Fair, London Book Fair, things like that. So there's there's a, there's a whole other level of like trade show that is very different, not open to the public that you will get to experience and, you know, only if you decide to participate in sort of a very specific kind of professional book publishing.
1: So... This is a whole lot of shows. So, wow. If someone, yes, if someone is listening to this recording and they're like hearing about Frankfurt, they're hearing about Book Expo, they're hearing about OLA, they're hearing about TCAF, they're hearing about the the Reed shows, how do they determine which show is the right show for them to personally go to?
2: Go to any show your publisher tells you to go to, especially if they're paying, and then ask your friend. No, for real. If your publisher's like, we think you'd do well here, like, okay, free trips or wherever, like, figure out a way to get your time off of your day job and go. Uh, If you get invited to somewhere. If you get invited to somewhere, that's a good example because the people that are running the show probably know about your work because they made the effort to track you down and invite you. But if you're not at that point in your career where you're going to get invited places, you're just starting to put stuff out, talk to your friends, talk to your acquaintances, talk to your peers, um, email your peers and friends, or actually just, like, hey, this is the person whose career I want to have. I am just starting out and I want to have the career that such and such has. See where they're going. Like, you know, you might get unlucky and they might be like shut-ins that don't like going to anywhere. But for the most part, if you see that the kind of work that you want to do is being done by someone else and if that someone else is celebrated at specific places, that's a good indication that that might be a good uh, place for you to go to.
1: And so once you've decided on this particular show as a place to go and you've decided you're you're going to exhibit the festival has accepted you as an exhibitor what are good things for authors to be prepared to do prepared to think about when they're like okay i have a six foot table something needs to happen between getting a six foot table and showing up
2: (laughs) uh money is probably the number one thing um Quick TCAF anecdote, we didn't actually let um, publishers exhibit at TCAF. We had one publisher, or two publishers, because First Second came in 2007, uh, First Second and Drone Quarterly. And then in 2009, we let a few more publishers in. Um, and we didn't let people that were more than, like I think, uh, a 10-hour drive come to TCAF to exhibit either. And the reasoning was... We knew with the number of people we were going to draw and what the average take home was from the cartoonists we were setting up, that there was no way for people to make their money back by coming to TCAP in like 2005, 2007, even 2009 and 2010, well, 2010, 11 was when we started to relax that a little bit. Um And for me, like, whatever, that's just socialism. That's just growing up in Canada. It's like, don't let people hurt themselves, (laughs) no matter how much they want to come hang out. Uh, And it's like, no, we're doing this show to like try and, you know, generate interest and money uh, for cartoonists. And I think we do that really well now. Uh, But yeah, like, it's not physically possible for them to recoup like a flight from Los Angeles, uh, let alone three nights of hotel. Like, we heavily discouraged to like, just straight up saying so like no because that space could be used by someone for like the you know 500 bucks or whatever they were going to take home for two days would make a huge difference because they had you know no ex- almost no expenses to get there so i think money is something that um, we don't really talk about a lot when doing shows and when it does come up it tends to be really heated like instantly um but if i can talk about it in a really gentle way right now Really look at what it's going to cost you to get to any uh, event that you want to go to that's going to further your professional career and figure out um, what your best case scenario is for breaking even, for making money. And if there is something like a strong, strong reason for you to go to that event that isn't just about making money like you need to meet creator x that's there or you know that publisher y is going to be there and they don't have they don't accept submissions online and this is your chance to put a submission package in their hand for your work yeah that's obviously something that's outside of the realm of like I'm going to make my money back but uh, yeah I would say money is maybe the really the first thing you want to do even after you're accepted is to like really look at your finances and go is this, is this something that makes sense for me to do um,
0: I got into Thought Bubble this year and I just was like you know what I can't like between my schedule and how much it would cost me to get there and I would love to go but I can't justify doing this as a vacation this year and so therefore I just can't go to this convention even if I'm very excited that I got in
2: and doesn't that suck
0: yeah it sucks because I would have had a great time But like, it was sort of like, I've already done my vacation money this year, and the schedule would be so crazy. Uh, Yeah, it's it's just one of those things, right?
2: And it's a real thing. And we don't necessarily talk about it because it's not as nice as saying oh my god i am going to thought bubble oh my god <laughs> you know uh it's 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 a bummer it's like i'm not going to thought bubble i can't afford it uh or i can't afford the time off even like even if you could afford to go can you afford to miss a week from whatever it is that you're you're, you're doing day to day um and that's I, f- I feel the same way about tcaf and like we're trying really hard to to do stuff on the friday um to make it pe- worth people's while who are setting up to like try and give back to the community but we are also really aware that like fully half of the community like is working their day job Friday and then piling in a car or getting on a plane and coming to Toronto and getting in like Friday at 11 PM because that's what they, that's how they can make it work for them. So we try not to be, you know, like we, we, we just try to be aware.
0: And I really want to stress to anybody listening to this also, like, so if you're new to doing conventions, And if you have any friendly, even acquaintances in comics that you're pretty comfortable with, like people will have very frank conversations with you about how much money they earn at shows and like uh, how they did and what their expenses were. Like people will be surprisingly straightforward about that. And I feel like the key is to be realistic about who you're asking and find people who have the same kind of books that you do at the same general price points as you do who are in a similar place in your career because I have friends who are like in my peer group who are like going to this convention with me but because they're in a place in their career they're going to move twice as many books as I am so they're not very helpful advice <laughs> givers for which cons I should do but I so I have like my friends who if they've been to a con that I haven't been to I'm like you you're my pal Who's gonna do within one or two hundred dollars of how much I do at basically any show? So you tell me how you did, and I can decide if I can afford the show or not. And I just feel like building that part of your network is really important because it's embarrassing and you you're worried about asking people about it. But most people will be pretty chill, surprisingly.
2: I think one on one, people are really chill, uh, or even in like a small group if you guys are all on the same page, it's it's like a good uh, time to discuss stuff. But maybe maybe don't leap on domain though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, yeah, no, no, money on Maine um, is is a general rule of thumb. So money is a big part of it. But let's say, all right, you figured out your finances. Uh, to go back to Gina's uh, hypothetical, figure out your finances. You're accepted to go. You got a six foot table waiting for the other side. What do you need to do? Number one, figure out, and this I cannot stress this enough: if the festival is going to have tablecloths on their table or not. <laughs> uh,
1: I just always this bring is one. Very important. Yeah,
2: and 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 even like I know some people will bring my packing coming from Canada, not having a lot of check bags or, or weight in luggage. Uh, sometimes I don't. I try to pack as little as I can if it is going to be there. But yeah, it, like I think investing in a nice tablecloth is probably a really good idea. But I've done so many shows that are just like you know what like splintered wood tables and it, it's you make the best of it, but it's not ideal. Um, figure out how they got a tablecloth. Figure out um, who your table neighbors are going to be. That's huge, actually. Like if you're going to be sitting next to someone at- for like two days or three days uh, and they've posted that up on the website, figure out who they are. Uh, go Google them or check out their website or maybe you'll, you're will you going to like them in person or you can even introduce yourself ahead of time. Um, no one ever does that because it seems creepy and weird, right? Uh, but it is actually the most normal thing in the world to figure out who your booth mates are going to – or like your table mates are going to be, If especially if you're attending a show on your own. And just, like, reach out. Uh, be, like, show that you're a real person. The the big thing there is that you're going to get there and people won't have accidentally nudged their stuff and taken up a foot of your table or whatever. Like, I've seen – I've been doing shows for so many years. Like, I've seen everything. And, like, yeah, just even reaching out, even if they're going to be jerks and letting them know you're a real person and you will not be taken advantage of, huge. <laughs> Super huge. Um the other thing I would do, um, figure out the currency of where you're going, uh, and see if you're going to need currency, but also figure out, um, change. Uh, a lot of people show up at conventions and they're like, all right, I'm ready to sell. I've got one $20 bill and all of my things are a buck each. And it's just like, all right someone's going to bu- buy that first one and you were going to have nothing. Uh, you were not going to be able to make change for them. They're going to be like, oh, okay, don't worry. I'll buy a few things and come back. And they will never come back. So, yeah, absolutely try and have like 50 bucks in ones on you or like a sorted small change that, um, and do that at your own bank uh, so you're not getting charged a fee or you don't get looks from tellers or whatever, Or you're not like scrambling up and down New York trying to buy a bagel at every coffee shop. <laughs> so you have like a couple of singles to make. I have done all of these things. I have done all these things in um yeah we like things we do at tcaf we try to make it easier like we try to have change for people uh which is a lot of shows don't do but especially on weekends like banks aren't open but yeah definitely have some change um definitely invest in like I don't know. I'm, I'm all for the fanny packs now if you're working a table, but I know that not everyone's fashion uh, allows for the, the fanny pack, but like a safe place that is kept on you that zips up to keep your money and your valuables, um, especially with like the last couple of years of like theft at indie shows and pickpocketing and stuff. Um, and it's like mostly over now. People haven't been hit for a little while, but yeah, that really sucked. And like, there's nothing worse than like actually doing really well at a show and then coming home with no money because you got pickpocketed or someone you know snagged some money from your table. So um, figure out a wh- like figure out how you're working money at your booth. I don't think a lot of people think about that. Um, and then the other thing that um, some of the more enterprising uh, young cartoonists that come to TCAF um, that I've gotten to talk to are is they find out the exact um, dimensions of the table because sometimes six feet, uh, sometimes six feet by two, sometimes by two and a half, sometimes by three if you're really lucky, and they will set up their whole booth display. In their home.
0: Oh, you got to. You got to do it. You got to take a photo so you can look at it and not have to make any decisions because you'll be jet lagged and exhausted. And you just have to have your photo from your own house. And you're like, I already made all the decisions today. (laughs) That's the only, I'm never going back. I do that every time now.
2: That is such good advice that I wish I had. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. Um, The other thing is, I. You know, everyone thinks that no one reads their stuff, uh, and no one may, like no one knows who they are, and they're like um, nobody or whatever. Uh, everyone's comics is like weird self-image problems, and the people who don't are like maybe terrible. <laughs> so whatever. But uh, you have fans. Uh, if you are someone who has made art in some way, someone out there loves it, uh, and you if you've shared it in any way. And the idea is um, that you should be trying to mobilize as much as possible, the people that like your work to come meet you or buy more of your work in person, uh, wherever you happen to be going, uh, in the world, uh, you might have a fan in like a small town that you decide to do a show where you're going to be their big guest, or you might have a, a bunch of fans there and you might not necessarily know it. It's so the idea of like using whatever promotional tools you usually use, like a newsletter or social media or whatever to say, I'm going to be at this convention, uh, and putting that up there in a big way and keeping it up there as well um, people who have websites of like where I'm going in t- the first half of 2019 they're my favorites um, when I see people that are as excited about coming to TCAF as I am about putting on TCAF um, you know helping putting on TCAF every year um, that makes me feel so good and then I feel really positive towards those people because you know if you're mobilizing your four fans that happen to be in Toronto that's actually huge for me that's four people that might not have come to my sh- my festival in the first place um, so thank you and also four more people in the door that are that like comics that like art that are maybe going to spend with, you know, all the exhi- other exhibitors as well. So that's a, that's a huge one. Um, is to like, if you're going to a show, try not to be quiet about it. Um, I get that, self-promotion is tough i get that we have a tendency in comics especially to be self-deprecating but like yeah like you are making the effort and shouldering the burden of the expense uh to go outside of your home (laughs) let people know about it definitely say you're going to a show because you you should definitely mobilize the people that are excited about your work and um finally i guess if i know i was going to a show Uh, and I didn't have any like new, new work. Like I had a, like a big release in the fall and then I'm going to a spring show. Um, I would maybe just try to put something together, um, just so that the person that's bought everything that they, that you've ever made shows up your booth, um, and they want to give you $10. You can just have something that is $10 uh, that is like a print or, you know, a one-page comic or a postcard or something like that. Even an ash can of like the next thing I was working on because I would already been working on it. So here's the first 10 pages in a mini comic for 50 cents or or a buck. I think that that's the kind of thing I would do um, just to make sure that people come away with something from you from every event that you do and they feel good about that interaction. Cause it's about, you know, building a name, building a brand, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, I would want people to like feel good about having seen me uh, at a show. And so I would make something new.
1: I also feel like signs are, are super helpful, especially um, ones with your name on it. And then also ones that are like, this thing is new And also, this thing costs $5.
2: Yes to all of that. Uh, Price stickers for your stuff so that people don't – you don't have to have awkward conversations. Yeah, letting people know what's new at that convention or what's new in the last couple of months is a a really good idea. But there's so much more. Oh, business cards is another thing. Business cards or postcards if you're an artist. Um, Making sure it's like, okay, the convention's – a month away. If I send this off right now, I'm going to get postcards and not have to pay for pay pay rush fees.
0: So we've been talking a lot about all the many things that people can do to have a good experience at a convention. You alluded to some to some of this earlier, but what are some things that people should not do if they want to not have a bad convention? What should they not do when they are at a a, a festival or a show? <sighs>
2: That's tough. Everyone's experience is so unique to the individual that like what would make a good show for some people is exactly what makes a show bad for other people. Um, right down to like I know people that are like I sold too many books uh, and then they're like upset about it and you think oh that's funny like that's like that's just an artist being an artist and it's like no they sold too many books and they're unhappy about it which means that they were at their table the whole time and they were selling books the whole time which means they didn't socialize and they didn't do any of the networking that they had planned on doing and then they're like bummed they come away from like their, their show weekend thinking oh man I'm not going to get ahead of my career and you know like whatever I've got some money in my pocket but that's not long term and I've heard that like multiple times. Huh. I think it comes back to intentionality and it's like, you have to decide why you're going to the show and what you want out of the show. And the way to avoid having a bad time is to like, try and accomplish (laughs) the things that you wanted to get out of the show by going to the show. And, um, I think that that's like the clearest, like that's the, the broadest idea of it. um, it doesn't necessarily mean rigid. Be rigid either. It means you know there's there's a benefit to going with the flow. If someone invites you to dinner, but you had planned to go back to the room and you need to do you know X, that dinner could be where you meet your next publisher. So like go with the flow a little bit. But yeah, have an idea of what you want out of the events that you're doing, so that you have a metric by which to um, judge their success um, for good or for bad.
1: What are things that people can do that are poor decisions? Uh, with regards to the show. Like, I would say that um, it's, it's a poor decision for you t- to go to a show not having made a little time in your schedule to uh, take care of yourself by, for example, sleeping, um, making sure to, like, shower, like taking care of yourself physically, uh, that sort of thing. Like, I would say if someone is going to a show and being like, no, no, I don't actually need any sleep or cleanliness, like you should kind of think again about your schedule. <laughs> so like, are, are there more of those?
2: Absolutely. Um, here's a couple. I, I firmly believe that you can't sell what you did not bring. Um, and so I tend to overpack for shows both when I was doing shows, both when I'm doing shows for the Beguiling, or when I was managing Udon's uh, convention presence, I would overpack. And the idea is that like even a book sold on the last day at 60% off just because you don't have room in your luggage or 75% off or whatever, or given away. Um, is the possibility of building a new lifelong fan, Um, particularly if your production costs are super low and your shipping costs are super low. Um, I didn't give a lot away of books for Odon. They weren't my books. But uh, I did certainly um, sell some books at cost, which ended up working out because you end up um, developing new contacts, networking, blah, blah, blah. So my advice there is to like, it is a nice feeling to tweet on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Like, oh my goodness, the show's so good. I'm already sold out. You've got to be there (laughs) for, you know, like... 12 more hours like 12 more show hours in like two days like that's not a great like that's a great feeling when you make the tweet and it's super not great when it's like sunday at noon and you're still at your table going oh my god i wish i had packed another case of books um so definitely really like i always err on the side of overpacking but you know there's like Obviously, like physical physical issues there, and 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 privilege issues around like being able to like lug boxes around. So I get that, um, but that's that's my my main thing is like if you're planning on having a good show, like if this works back to math. Like figure out how much you have to sell, uh, and then make sure you pack enough to make the money. <laughs> like if you're only packing like retail like three hundred dollars worth of books, but you need to make a thousand at that show, I hope you have magic uh, in order to make that last seven hundred dollars. Um, what else? People mm, – this is a really hard one. Um, I'm going to give credit to uh, Spike Trotman for this who commented actually, Ali, on your zine today. <laughs> yeah. Every, like there are a lot of people who are very unhappy that sales aren't going well or they had a bad morning or, the, or, or they're just unhappy because things are – Rough right now. I totally get that. But if you are sitting at your table, emanating hard bad vibes, especially not making eye contact, like looking at your phone or looking at even at looking at a sketch pad, which is theoretically producing material, and you are not engaging people and you have a frown on your face man, that that is the number one cause of bad shows uh, for people in my experience, um, that they are just putting out some real rough vibes. Uh, and I get it. We all have really bad days. But if your bad day is like at something that you spent $1,500 to be at, like, I don't know, grab a Red Bull and fake it, uh, <laughs> like like try and recoup. Um, that's a huge Huge one uh, that I find like walking around, like not necessarily TCAF because I don't really get to walk around TCAF very much, but walking around other shows, especially, is the people that won't make eye contact that are theoretically trying to sell me something, and the people that um, won't make eye contact because they seemingly don't care because, you know, their phone's really exciting. Um, TCAF is specifically difficult in this instance because we don't let generally don't let people have six foot tables. So at a lot of shows, if you are gonna be an artist who is doing commissions, doing sketches for money especially, that's awesome. And then they will have a, a buddy, a helper, a friend, a pal, a coworker, uh, spouse, uh, etc. to sit there and be the person who smiles and makes eye contact while you are busy drawing. Super smart, gonna make you a lot more money that way to have someone that's like actually engaging, but Yeah, that gets into like the logistics of that and the the difficulty of that for people that are doing first time shows. Like if you've got a buddy or two that's willing to help you out on that first show, absolutely take them up on it. Um, Because just having that extra person at the booth so you can take a bathroom break, especially if you're not friendly with your neighbors is huge.
0: And that's another reason to make friends with your neighbors, is so you can go to the bathroom.
2: Yeah, and we always ask a TCAF if you want to be sat next to somebody or don't want to be sat next to somebody. And I would say like seventy five percent of people leave that leave both fields blank. And I'm glad that you know people are generally getting along. But uh, for the wanting to sit next to somebody, yeah, think about like bathroom breaks. Think about people selling your stuff while you've got to be on a panel. All that kind of stuff. Um, we're
1: the, the faces that Allie and I are making. Yeah, Gina's visibly horrified at the idea. It's Why? Why would anyone leave that blank? (laughs) Like, literally, if they don't know, even if you don't know anyone, you should be like, I know this person is amazing. And I would like to be next to them as my work is similar to theirs. Like,
2: yeah, it's mostly blank.
1: This is a poor life choice, comics creators, let me tell you.
2: Miles Baker is the uh, co-director of the festival with me. He's he's the managing director. He handles a lot of the physical plant stuff and he handles the seating layout every year. And so I probably just made his job harder because everyone applying from this point is probably going to be like, Oh, here's the 17 people I want to be sitting next to. None of them want to sit next to each other, which we also get to sometimes. So this is a tough one because this puts a lot of stress on you and your neighbors and the festival organizers. But, Um, it's something you have to decide if it's necessary for you. Um, Sometimes you're sat next to someone and you guys just don't gel. Uh, And it is like there is an animosity there that extends past people's ability to be professionally whatever with each other. And rather than sit there and be miserable uh because you're sat next to someone or they are miserable because you're sat next to each other and you don't like each other for whatever reason um maybe just go and ask to be moved like you obviously have to weigh the pros and cons of that because where it says in the festival guide that you're sitting you're not going to be sitting there anymore and that can be tough for that fan base that you help mobilize but at the same time if you smile being smiley and cheery and feeling outgoing and not having to you know lock eyes with somebody who's like not cool uh, with you or vice versa um, for the rest of the show is going to improve your ability to be present and focused and a happy, you know, artist salesperson, then maybe make that request. And uh, again, I'm making a lot of work for showrunners here, but that's kind of what we do, right? Like we get that this is especially TCAF, like the number of people that we deal with, it's uh, it's pretty big. And then the different kinds of comics range from everything from people's you know maybe not first shows but sometimes uh, with many comics right up to internationally published megastars um, people have different experiences people come to the show with different baggage people have different scenes and people don't get along sometimes and if you think you're not going to be able to get along uh, it's better that we know that I wouldn't necessarily say try to get someone removed from a show unless something really heinous but it's like I can't deal with this person can you help me out is a totally reasonable request and it's something that requires probably a lot of courage to ask because it like makes you stand out in a way that you're necessarily not necessarily comfortable with. But whenever we've been in, mm, alerted to situations that were like, this is not going to be great for the people involved. And it, there's a wide variety of, there's not, not going to be great for people involved. We do our absolute best to try and accommodate them. And we generally do um, to make sure that people are having an at least okay time, you know? And I think, uh, I think, I think, Rather than find out on Monday morning on Twitter when I'm searching the teacup tag that someone's miserable because they have to sit next to their, like, blood enemy all weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I would much rather get an email the week before that's like, can you do anything about this? And then we can try. Uh, I can't promise anything, but we can definitely try. And I think most con uh, or festival organizers are pretty chill about that kind of thing.
1: Okay. I'm going to ask one more question before we wrap up, um, which is a, a question about conventions as part of a larger promotional effort, right? So if an author is like, I wish to up my public presence, like I, I want to be cooler, I want more people to know who I am, like how, how do they incorporate conventions in that? Especially if they're like, this year is going to be a year that's some sort of moment for me. I'm starting a new webcomic. My webcomic is ending or the climax is coming, or I have a plan to get, you know, X new readers, or I'm going to have 10 new mini comics as a series every month, or I have a graphic novel coming out. How should conferences and festivals and conventions be part of their plan here? And how are they helpful?
2: Hmm that's a good question first off I do believe that that they are helpful Um, and I think if you want to be a person that is uh, building a following and becoming known for your work um, in ways different than just people picking up your work and reading it conventions offer you uh, an amazing opportunity to help define your work your presence and your career in the physical space there's two really big ideas here. And one of them is like for general conventions and one of them is for TCAF. And the, the reason it's split up like that is that TCAF is just harder. Um, I'm going to tell you all the basic stuff. Like, for example, the best way to build a career is to get yourself uh, made a guest of a convention and whether that's a guest in name only because it's like a local convention and you don't have expenses but maybe they'll comp your table or maybe they'll like fly you in or maybe they'll put you up in a hotel while you're there or yada 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 being a guest means that you're going to get a larger percentage uh, or a larger share of the of the attention and the acclaim and the promotion that the festival is putting out into the world um, it's really hard to become a guest but there's all kinds of great angles you can work if you're, if you're the person who's making art about X and no No one else at the convention is making comics about X, then you can be their X guest. You know what I mean? Uh, Like that's the idea there. So um, that's one way. The other way is to pitch panels that align the work that you're doing because you love your work, right? You're 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 making this work. You feel strongly about it. uh, That align your work with other work that is also you know, talking about the same things that you are, um, you're artificially building a community, but by gum, you're going to build it. Um, so you, you know, pitch panels that you can be on that put other awesome creators, um, uh, that are doing sympathetic or similar work on your panels. So you can talk with them. Um, chances are their fans are going to come to the panel. Chances are your you know fans are going to come to the panel. And that's an idea. That's like a way that you can build, um, your, Uh, fan base and build your expertise or build your perceived expertise in a certain part of the field. The other big thing I would say to try and do is everyone wants to try to come to TCAF. And I get it, and I am super honored and uh, beside myself that we can't accept uh, people that we want to. But um, there are so many shows. There are so, so many shows now. Every single weekend from, like, I don't know, March, uh, end of February to, like, october there's at least three uh comic book events in north america um sometimes as many as like eight or nine in continental north america uh before we get into alaska or hawaii um if as a north american creator you have tremendous advantage over people that are trying to make english language work outside of north america frankly like even the brit shows um Like, it's just not the same thing as the North American shows. So really consider the shows that you're going to, even if it's not like 100% your crowd. If your expenses are low or they'll make you a guest or you can do it and you're like one of the like six comic guests, that's an amazing, amazing way to, you know, make your work stand out. I've been to shows where there's like 10 comic guests and all 10 of the comic guests end up hanging out. So it's like you. And then it's like Paul Dini (laughs) creator of Batman, the animated series. And then it's like, you know, whomever. And that's like an amazing, amazing way to meet people that aren't necessarily in your peer group or your circle. And, uh, you know, um, build that network that you maybe want to have. If you ever need like someone's blurb on the cover of your book for when you, when you get your big deal with TCAP specifically though, it is so hard to become a guest of TCAF. I'll just be honest. We're trying to cover so many different bases when it comes to comics. Like, we are trying to be a truly international show. We are trying to um, cater not just to sort of what we consider an alt-comics crowd, but, like, literally, we are. We did kids programming before anyone was doing kids programming. So we have a huge kids program that was, like, started by Scott Robbins and now has been administered by uh, my husband Andrew. Um, we have these, like... 21 countries worth of people coming every year and most of the time if you're an international creator we'll make you a featured guest because your work is super important In the context you created it, you know, in your country, but not necessarily super well known in North America yet. So it's our responsibility as a convention to help you, like, find your audience in North America. So we make you guests. So because of things like that, and then, you know, we're just really fortunate that people wanted huge superstars, want to debut work with us. So it's really hard to become a guest at TCAF. It's really hard to pitch programming at TCAF because so many people are pitching programming, but not impossible. Um, You should always try and do these things uh, if you can, if you've got it, you know, in you uh, to, to after you after you finish working for you know ten days a week on your comic, if you still want to then uh, pitch a program uh, or you know figure out a way to to get invited to a show or any of that kind of stuff, then it's absolutely uh, a valuable thing to do. But beyond that, I think again, mobilizing your base, um, being being busy at your table at a show is the greatest indicator to the showrunners that you are worth spending money on in future years um, this is real like b- like black and white inside baseball like numbers kind of stuff and it's not doesn't feel very good, uh, but it is just how, especially commercial showrunners decide whether or not they're going to pay for your flight or pay for your hotel or comp you a table or whatever. It's the <laughs> it's the it's the casino method. It's like how much did you gamble? Great, you get a free room for one more night because you'll gamble some more. If you go to a show on your own dime one year and you have a lineup out the door and the organizers see that, they are going to pay for you to come every year because you are putting you are bringing people through the door and those people are paying to be there, and that's what con organizers want again tcaf doesn't really operate on that like our show's been at capacity in the library for six years now five years now uh we no one pays to get in and so there's no advantage to people coming there we're mostly just trying to accommodate as many people as we can in as many different ways as we can but if you want to do the circuit um making yourself a valuable add to convention runners is a way to do that all of that said conventions are commercial by nature Uh, comics tends to be commercial by nature it's a it's a meeting of art and commerce so there's a lot of ways to make comics uh and to enjoy making comics and to make art in general that don't involve conventions that don't involve commerce that don't involve any of the stuff we're talking about here so i just want to be super clear that like when i say these are the, like this is you have to prove your value to someone that's if that's the path you want to walk down. By no means does anyone have to prove their value to anybody else. Make the art you want to make. But if you want to get comped at a show, like you know, that's what that looks like. Or get someone who's a fierce advocate on your behalf. I know that there are a lot of publishers who um, try really hard uh, to get their their cartoonists featured at a show in some way or another, to get them on programming, to get them make, made guests, to get them comped. Um, there's agents that are that are starting to do that now too. There are con- professional convention promoters. It all tends to be more on the superheroy. Uh, Uh, mainstream comics side of things. Um, But yeah, that's uh, the reality of the reality of the convention circuit uh, such as it is, is that um, there are so many different kinds of people participating in any given event that are at so many different points in their careers come with so many different economic backgrounds that like, yeah, there's no one surefire way, but you know, if you want to go the capitalist route uh, you know, Lean in, like be as capitalist as you can. Uh, and I, <laughs> I know a lot of people that have had a lot of success with that in their convention careers and, you know, props to them. And I know people that just like don't give a shit about any of this and just want to make their art. And every convention invitation is like a le- le- legitimate inconvenience to them. So I guess, yeah, um, goes back to uh, decide what you want uh, out of out of all of it. Um, and that'll help you decide, uh, the best ways to find success at it.
1: I mean, I also think that if you're going to plan to do the circuit, um, it's also useful to know that it's pretty tiring. I'm so tired.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've done like 13 shows here. I want to (laughs) die. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, no, I'm invigorated by travel. Uh, if I could go somewhere different every weekend, I would. Uh, so, yeah, that's why, I, I don't know, we would pile into, sh- you know, and do two, uh, two Michigan shows a year. And, I mean, I travel a lot for work now, and it's just the greatest thing. Um,
1: but then you have plenty of time to sleep in the middle, Chris. Like,
2: I do sleep a lot. Uh, it's awesome. I recommend sleep.
1: And there are many people who's, who's either their, their pace with their comics or their career outside comics does not allow for, like, I will go to the show and then I will take some time off following that. It's like show, work, show, work, show, work. But I just, that's pretty exhausting.
2: I really bristle at the idea that anytime that someone says TCAF is necessary, um, that TCAF, I have to go to TCAF. I have to go to Like, we appreciate hearing that, obviously, that passion. But like, uh, we only got one shot at all this, <laughs> you know? Like, we're not, I don't know, maybe we're coming back, but... At the end of the day, like going to conventions uh, shouldn't come at the cost of like sleep, like health, like cleanliness, like, you know, <laughs> like work. Uh, if you're not going to make money at, you know, being at a show, but you're going to be able to pay your rent by staying home. Like, yeah, that sucks sometimes, but man, pay your rent. Um, it's it's such a I don't know. I'm supposed to probably be more of a cheerleader, but I think um, conventions are just part of how people interact With the comics industry and how comic creators interact with one another, any of those individual things could be removed, and people could still keep making comics. People can keep making comics as long as they've got paper and pens. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be, you know, as good as we can uh, to people and uh, to creators and to the public and you know the publishers and the rest of the industry. But absolutely, um, people have to make whatever decisions for themselves they have to make and you know if you've got a new book and you've made that decision that you've got to like do thirteen, <laughs> thirteen 13 mm-hmm. cons in a year like i will do everything i can as a showrunner to help make my one of those 13 shows uh, go as smoothly as possible for you but i don't want you to feel like you have to do my show in order to have a successful book
1: So I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. Chris, where can people find you and TCAF online if they're so intrigued by this conversation they wish to know more?
2: TCAF is the Toronto Comic Arts Festival. And if you go to www.torontocomics.com, that's the TCAF website. Um, The next festival is May 9th and 10th, 2020, which is crazy that that date is upon us i personally am on uh twitter as comics 212 c-o-m-i-c-s 212 all one word tcaf is hashtag tcaf tcaf or uh, at toronto comics on every social media and uh yeah um thank you both so much for having me on to uh to talk about all of this stuff i hope it was helpful
0: it's very helpful to hear all this from your perspective as well, because some of this might be stuff people kind of already know, but like from a very different part of the process.
1: Thanks so much, Chris. We really appreciate it.
2: No, oh, this is awesome. Thank you guys so much. This is, uh, this is great.
1: Thanks so much for listening to graphic
0: novelty K next week. We're going to be talking in more depth about what it's like to work with a publisher or possibly more than one publisher. I'm very excited. And, uh, you also should be, cause it will be great. Yay. Graphic Novel TK is co-produced by Gina Gagliano and Alison Wilgus, and is brought to you by The Beat. You can find our show notes along with other comics news and podcasts at comicsbeat.com. Our podcast graphics were created by Shivana Sokdeo. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear. You can follow us on Twitter at GraphicNovelTK or email us at GraphicNovelTK at gmail.com.